That's beautiful. It's the Kelpian symbol for community, isn't it? Uh, community and service. It signifies my status as a council member in my village. Must have been hard for you to leave. I have made arrangements to stay in touch with Sukal and continue serving as a council member in absentia. Starfleet is where I am needed now. Yes, I heard word that you were offered the command of the USS Sojourner. Congratulations. I told Admiral Vance I would gladly return to the chair one day. This is not that time. Our mentor, Philippa Giorgio, knew the value of another set of trusted eyes, especially in times of crisis. I asked you to be those eyes for me when I became captain. Now, it would be my honor, and indeed my privilege, to do the same for you as your number one, if you'll have me. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me, giving Saru a big hug, are... Adam Bowen. And Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes, where we're reviewing episodes in this strange new era of Star Trek. Today, we are covering the second episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery, Anomaly. Now it's time for you to do your part. Uh, we want you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Tell your friends about our podcast, too. We love getting strange new listeners from all over the world. And don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. When you do that, it helps us pop a little bit higher on the, on the search listings for podcasts when someone's looking for a Star Trek pod. Also, if you give us a five-star rating... I will read your rating on the air. So go ahead and do that, please. We would very much appreciate it. And just like that airplane that is flying directly over my house at this moment, <laughs> we are going to be spoiling the episode. Uh, so you should make sure to, uh, yeah, uh, listen to or watch the episode before you listen to us. Or if you're just like one of those crazy people that can just like just spoils himself for everything without even like participating in watching the thing. Like, great. I, I can't, I can't judge that. Uh, and uh, join us. All right. Well, today we're discussing Anomaly, the second season or the second episode of the third season of Star Trek Enterprise. It was produced in 17 September, 2003. Uh, oh, wait, this is by the, I, this is also the also second episode, but season four of Discovery. Why do they have to name it exactly the same name as a previous second episode of a season of Star Trek? Don't they know God, it's trouble for podcast hosts like myself? Um, but but it is interesting because this is the first time an episode of Star Trek is exactly the same name as a previous episode of Star Trek. And we saw them do similar little things with the, se the third season where they named things Unification, 
part three, Unification yeah, three, yeah. and like a few other things where they've done episode name callbacks. So, um, kind of interested to see where this leads in the episode names. But let's take this out from the top. It's the this is anomaly, the second episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. It first aired on twenty fifth November, twenty twenty one. That's Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're very thankful this episode came out. Uh, it's written by Anna Kofel Saunders and Glennis Mullins. It's directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi. The in-universe date is 3190, although we don't know what the start date is. However, will we go on? <laughs> we always start with our strange new takes, and this time I'm going to, to go first. Um, this is one of my dad takes. I'm not a father, actually, but I have these, like, things that I come up with. Like, my friends from India call it, like, the Indian uncle takes. Like, you know, there are those Indian guys who hold their <laughs> hands behind their back and, like, hunch a little bit. And, and it's like my pon- grandfather. <laughs> right, right. We pontificate on stuff. So this is, this is, this is one of those takes, strange new takes from me, which is, you should mulch your leaves on the ground. I have a corner lot, which means I come up with about 11 bags of leaves if I take them to the, the yard waste area, because St. Paul and this infinite wisdom doesn't have yard waste pickup. But today I just took my mower out, I mowed all my leaves into mulch, and then just basically gave the, the ground a little bit of nitrogen. So I think that's a better way to do it. I didn't have to take those bags anywhere, bags of leaves anywhere. Heck, I didn't even have to bag anything. So mulch your leaves, people. Well, um, I, on this episode, let me just say that I think this episode is a step in the right direction for season four. Um, for those of you who were kind of like ready with your pitchforks to come and burn and, 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 uh, torches to come burn down my house after I hated it on last week's episode. (laughs) Hey, I feel better about this one, but now as it happens, probably y'all hated it and you'll come and burn down my house anyway. So (laughs) can't win. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so for, for my strange new take, um, yeah, it's, it, it, um, hmm. I mean, we all just had Thanksgiving and, uh, I'm just going to give a shout out to, uh, Thanksgiving leftovers. Uh, they're, they're a little bit, they're delicious, but they are a little bit more difficult to figure out, like, what the heck am I going to be doing this week? How am I going to possibly eat all these things so that the meat is still safe, etc. But we'll be fine. Um, for the strange new take for the episode... Um, I actually, I, I think that this episode was way more focused than the previous episode. Uh, like the, a lot of the problem that I was having with the previous one was just, there were constant jump cuts between what felt like kind of three unrelated storylines that like sort of, I guess they all end up being related. Cause like now Saru's back, et cetera. But, uh, I guess if that's what we needed to do in order to reach a discovery that can just have like kind of a single storyline, we're all going in the, in the same direction on the same ship. Like, great. Uh, so it may, maybe that episode one was the price we had to pay to have a great, uh, season four. So I'm, I'm hopeful, uh, as of this episode. Okay. Well, my strange new take is laryngitis sucks. Um, I just feel like I need to put that out there in case any of you are listening to this and think Emily sounds a little strange. I'm really trying to be uh, cognizant of my mute button so that when I start coughing, I do not do that. 
on the microphone and make it a nightmare for notch and editing. But um, yeah, it just stinks. I sacrificed my voice on the altar of my sermon last week. Um, and it is not, well, I guess it's halfway back. You all should have heard it on Tuesday. Nothing came out of my mouth on Tuesday, but um, yeah. So well, Yay, we Larry all know Jones. you are a fire and brimstone preacher who screams yeah, from I, the pulpit. So. Oh, totally. That's totally the way I am. So it wasn't even a very, you know, exciting sermon. It was about gratitude. <laughs> but I just, that just tells you how little voice I had. So anyway, I had lots of sympathy from people afterwards. But it's sad. I was able to speak today, but I can't sing. So that's sad. I don't have my singing voice yet, back, or back yet. Um. So yeah, that's my strange new take for life. My strange new take for the episode. So I wasn't on last week's episode, but um, I feel like Discovery has made the decision that the president is not nefarious. Um, the reason I say this is because her little scene that she had. So the main scene that she was in was in that kind of round table mm-hmm. scene that they had. Um, and they didn't have any like like um, sinister music playing under her like yeah. they did last episode, <laughs> which was ridiculous because I 100% was on the side of the president last week. And so that they were playing that sinister music, it wasn't sinister, but it's yeah, for lack of yeah. a better word. That's But it kind of had that, hmm, do we, are we supposed to trust this? I don't think we're supposed to trust her while she was speaking at Starfleet Academy. But then I'm like, no, we're totally supposed to trust her, whatever. And I feel like Discovery made the decision this past week Yes, we can trust her. We don't need to. I don't know. But, you know, I started thinking, here's my strange new take, though. Mm -hmm. They did this to us last season with Admiral Vance. Yeah, I was just thinking that. And I don't know if that's Discovery's fault or if that's just Star Trek in general's fault because of the whole Admiral syndrome. And we've just gotten so used to having that person in a higher up above our captains that's nefarious that we can't help but read that into every character that comes in well and and discovery discovery like did it to us even worse with our our captain was a bad seriously i know so so that we can't trust anybody so anyone (laughs) new we're just immediately suspicious yeah well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give discovery a pass on this i think some of the ways that they framed the 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 president the way that they they pulled it out um her er, pull out her earlier scenes where we see Michael questioning her. I think they positioned it. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, kind of the twist, but I don't think they, I, in my eyes, I think you're absolutely right. Emily, I could buy into that. I just don't think they redeemed her enough. Yeah. Um, if you're going to position somebody as kind of like your regular is the bad person, this has happened with Saru last year too, by the way, when Saru was all like, I'm com- emotionally compromised because of the 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 um oh, what's this Kelpian planet's name? Qua- or, oh. No, not Quajon. <laughs> Kaminar. <laughs> Kaminar. Right. Uh, I'm emotionally compromised about Kaminar. I I can't go on. So Burnham must be captain. And I was like, you didn't convince me of that. If you're gonna convince me that one of my regulars is the bad guy and like they're they're yeah. compromised, you gotta do a little bit better. Um. So I think I think this is the weight of that lies on the direction and i'm i have some opinions about the music and i'm gonna air them right after i tell you the episode summary because that's typically what i do next um here's episode summary from memory alpha suru returns to help the uss discovery uncover the mystery of an unusually destructive new force what a surprise as burnham leads the crew she must also find a way to help book cope with an unimaginable loss so 
getting back to the music, this is not in our notes. I neglected to put it in there. This, I have figured out one of the reasons that I have like always felt this like slightly discordant feeling with Discovery. Why it just, just feels a little off in my head. It's because there's constantly music. It's a fucking Marvel movie where the music never stops. There's always some action adventure, something twinkling in the background. Even when Adira and Grey meet and they're just having a normal funny conversation, there's this like poignant dark music. And I'm just like, will you please stop? Will you please stop just so I can enjoy it? Because if you think about TNG, if you think about those moments where the captain is speaking to their crew in the briefing room there's no music twinkling in the background there's no sense of like this is the end of the world going on in the background where you're able to just focus on their words and not the emotions of the moment and you know last week rudy was talking about those like feelings of unearned emotion it's the music the music is is like this this dark force throughout the episode and i by the way i list i watched this episode with my headphones on and that's how i realized it i was like it was much harder to like, you could completely ignore. Mm. So everything has a sense of urgency. Everything has a sense of like, this is the mo- emotional like crescendo of the moment and, or, or the, uh, the episode. And they can't all be crescendos. There have to be like low quiet points where nothing happens. And we have precious few of those. So when Emily just talked about the music, that reminded me mm-hmm. of this feeling I had. And I don't know if anyone else has felt this way. Uh, th- that's interesting. I, I wonder if that, because um, as I'm thinking about it, like I probably part of what, um, like we all know that feel that uh, th- like that Enterprise D engine sound, like that 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 constant hum mm-hmm. that's always happening in the ship. Honestly, I have no idea if if uh, Discovery has a sound at all, uh, and maybe that's because of the the way that they that they're doing the music is like maybe there is a sound and it's just as comforting as having the Enterprise D's warp engines be active, but who knows? <laughs> uh, I I am glad at the very least that we don't have every time Adira shows up on screen uh, that we have like the Wesley Crusher twinkles of like little uh, <laughs> like the, the children are our future kind of chimes going on. Uh, so I I, I, I will take the, the dark and, and... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh yeah yeah. So it is it is um. I will. I, it, it's interesting because there, I do have a way of separating the music out from some of the other sounds of Discovery, and I kind of want to do that for one episode and just watch it without the music channel playing and see if my opinion of Discovery changes. Interesting. Um, but anyway, well, let's let's get back to talking about this episode. Um, where do you want to start, Adam? Do you want to do you want to go chronologically through this one? Do you want to talk about something that that it, that uh, an influential view you have on this episode? Um, I, I, I think that, uh, maybe going, going after some themes is, is useful here. Um, something that I, uh, this episode really struck home the sense of, um, and I think it's, it's in line with, with season three, what they were trying to do. Uh, but this idea of that we have tremendous grief that we're having to get past in this episode and that it's not just something that we have like this uh, one quick fix or like that uh, Burnham has to be the person to to solve it. Like, I, of course, yes, Burnham has has her moments uh, trying to help deal with uh, with Book's grief. But I, I think that 
there's a lot of really interesting character moments that we have centered around book uh, throughout this episode. And it, there are, and there are a few that aren't even related to, to book at all. Like with, we have some good moments with book and Stamets. Obviously we have good moments with, with uh, book and uh, Burnham. We have good ones with Culber and uh, Culber and Stamets, uh, Culber and Tilly, Tilly and Saru. Like th- there's a lot of uh, sort of trying to figure out how to go through grief and uh, approaching each other with empathy this episode. Can I say though, as far as grief goes, <clears throat> I know they have to do this because of a television show, but good God, of course, Book isn't wanting to talk two days after his planet has been destroyed. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. like, uh, Burnham, these are not concerns that you should be having right now. You should not be concerned that he's not sharing with you. You should not be concerned that that he's not really crying about this because it was two days ago. If it was two years ago, maybe... Maybe yeah. you could start being like, wow, he really hasn't said anything for two years. <laughs> you know, but two days, <laughs> two days is like, that is not enough time. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and and I, I think that's, that's what I appreciate about how Culber was talking with like that Stamets and Culber conversation early on in the episode of <laughs> Stamets just saying like, I, I have no idea how to talk to book, like even on a good day. Um, and sort of, uh, I, I feel like this episode, I understood what what Culber's doing because uh, we we all talked to, we've talked about several times the um, in in season three. There's that uh, Culber explains to Burnham why she is the actual person that should be like having such and such conversation with somebody, and uh, I didn't get it there, but I get it here. I think Culber wants to be um obviously Culber's amazing to talk to people in terms of like uh counseling and and things like that but what Culber wants to do is empower the rest of the crew to be able to uh like better relate and better uh deal with their emotions together Mm -hmm. and I so like this episode made me really feel like why Culber's been doing that and I think it was a much better way of handling um, some of that nuance. Uh, and it was nice to just see that uh, we didn't have to have Burnham come and solve Stamets and Book's problem of communicating with each other. Burnham wasn't even involved. And yeah, um, yeah I, I I think that this, this episode just gave a lot more spotlight to, to individual character interactions that I really appreciated. I am going to take this opportunity to say that the private channel is very dumb. I agree with everything that you're saying, but it was just like, you know, the, the, the little force field sphere. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought I, it made sense, though, because yeah. I was like, how else do you do it? I'm like, oh, because oh, it was hilarious because right when she said private channel, I was like, how the hell are you going to have a private channel when you're sitting in the middle of the bridge? Yeah, yeah. And then they did the dome and I was like, okay, I'll give it to them. (laughs) I mean, I I think you're right. You're both right. It like serves a point in the plot and I get it, but it's just kind of like, come on. It's just, I, I, I laughed. It's one of those things that I think is like, I don't know. It makes Star Trek the nerd fest that it is. So, which is exactly what it should be. So maybe I'm just like... You know, it makes sense. It makes sense. Well, um, I think I think Adam, you kind of hit the nail on the head for why I really enjoyed this episode. This episode felt a lot more about relationships and about yeah. 
about the people rather than the world is ending. Who will yeah. save us? And and I my favorite part of this episode was Saru coming back and the the, the ready room scene with him and Burnham. Mm. It was just beautiful. It was it was it felt right. I remember all of us were very worried last year about like what's gonna happen to Saru now. Like, are we gonna mm-hmm. see him on Kaminar? Last episode, I was like, uh, they're taking him off of Kaminar. I really want to see more of Kaminar. I agree. I still want to see more of Kaminar, but this felt the perfect excuse to get the man back on the ship. He's still mm-hmm. a captain, so they don't demote our boy. He's Mister Saru. Like, it it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, and we're, like we're just making the. Uh, it's just like the TOS movies. Yeah, everybody's a fucking captain. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah pretty who much. cares? <laughs> we, much. we can all still be on the Enterprise, and it's just fine. Don't worry about it. Well, and uh, Saru's just a good balance for Burnham too, so it just makes yeah. it like he's able to make the calls that she's not able to make, but she trusts him, and so she yeah. is willing to, you know, she's willing to go along with it or or to hear it from him. I guess. Yeah, I I, I think I'm <clears throat> the the tiny bit of thing that I'm I'm I'm. It's not that I, that I'm disappointed in it necessarily. I just I feel a little bit icky, like poor Reese or whoever it was that was her first officer. Like uh, Saru just stole your job, <laughs> and uh, I I feel like so much of Discovery is sort of pointing in the like we need to be like take care take better care of each other. We need to invest in each other's like development and growth and in, in all these different ways. And like uh Saru is definitely like sticking his like he's staying around longer than he needs to. Like there are people who could like their careers could advance a lot. They could grow a lot as a person or they could just get more damn lines <laughs> as yeah. an actor. Uh and like we could like I would I would love to learn literally anything about Reese um besides that like you know what reese looks great in the captain's chair but you know what maybe we will get that because they did give more lines to bryce with vice which i super appreciated and so i'm hoping that they're going to be doing that yes as the season progresses like we spent a lot of last season giving some more stuff to to detmer and to owo and and i feel like that like if giving some to to bryce like yeah I, i i really think that we might be able to flesh out our our side characters without uh, doing it all in one episode and therefore killing them in that same episode. Yeah. I, I, I think my other good feelings from this episode came from that Bryce situation. We got some of that. I think we also got um, a little bit more from Detmer and Owo participating mm-hmm. in the dialogue a little bit. And so, again, I feel like there's a little bit more ensembling going on here, which I am very happy with. Um, I I do want to rewind the clock a little bit before we go too far away into talking about what happens later in the episode, because there Mm -hmm. are some things that happen early on that I want to I want to point to. Number one, in that scene with Saru and and uh, Burnham, we hear that the computer's name is Zora and it's picked for herself. (laughs) the 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 showrunners for discovery have said that discovery or they've promised that discovery will actually address the short trek calypso where the the computer was named zora and it had the the dude whose name i can't remember um who who talks about the vidrash of course last season we had some references to that so so this is one more step towards that and i'm so excited i hope we see that character again 
because um, it was I, I just love everything about that short trek. Yeah, I, I so I I really love that short trek. Part of me is just I'm I I, I guess I I'm a little uncertain about what they mean with all of like the connections that we're going to be making because it, it even sounds like they're they're like they're like well we know that this that the ship doesn't have at least the article uh uh in that i read in like trek movie mm-hmm. sort of was suggesting like there's no a on the discovery like we see the discovery and it does it is not the retrofitted one and so like i um honestly i think i would be fine if they wanted to just like do a re-edit of that episode and just mm-hmm. like change the look of the discovery and just mm-hmm. say like sorry we pulled of a george calypso. lucas yeah of Cal- of calypso and just like said it was the a we're gonna uh, mm. han didn't shoot first um kind of thing like i think i would be fine with that i i guess i'm a little bit worried about them like contorting themselves into like like oh and uh, in order to hide what we're doing, we're going mm-hmm. to unrefit the discovery, and we're <laughs> going to t- we're going to take the A away because we need to convince the Romulans that it's not a thing or something. Like I, I I'm worried yeah. that they're going to do something dumb like that, and I I think it would be okay to leave it to like not tie up every possible loose end. Is all I'm saying. I I. I will reserve judgment until we actually get to see what they do. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I generally agree with you. I'm just... Um, I guess what I want is more of that vibe of Star Trek someday. I hope yes. we get I hope we get something more kind of like Calypso. That was a very special, special vibe, and um, I, I want to tap it a little bit. Moving along, I think another key element in setting up this episode is the whole anomaly situation <laughs> where we we get the meeting at Starfleet HQ. Does anyone ever notice this? HQ. Uh, <laughs> the B- British folks call headquarters HQ. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I really enjoy that. It's I've been watching a lot of Bond films, so HQ comes up a bit. Anyway, Starfleet <laughs> HQ has um, that meeting of the minds. Mm-hmm. I loved that scene. I thought Same. that was a great scene. It was just... Um, well, and I was watching it, you know, so that we got that one shot of the Ferengi. So then I was wondering, Ooh, the Ferengi, I know, but it's like, Ooh, the Ferengi are part of Starfleet though. That's a big deal. Of course, Nog was a member of Starfleet and the Ferengi were not back in. And there is the USS Nog that we have, uh, seen from. But yeah, it just makes me think, well, that's, I mean, that kind of, that's making a statement. It makes me think, Mm -hmm. Oh, so capitalism can fall and stop being the dominant way of a society or and they can well but do we do we know that that's a that's a ferengi like representative versus them being just a member of Starfleet? no that's that's what i said like i don't know Mm -hmm. if because nog wasn't a ferengi representative like you know Mm -hmm. what i mean nog was just a member of starfleet but it makes me think the fact that they showed a ferengi in a starfleet uniform Mm -hmm. makes me think that that's a way of them saying the ferengi are part of this. I mean, th- that yeah. would be really interesting if we like the uh, so much is different about the future, su- such yeah. that the like the Ferengi are part of the Federation and the Vulcans and humans are not. Like, I know. like that's that's so interesting. Seriously, if, like, if that it is, is. Is the kind of statement they're making? It is, but I love seeing the Vulcan. Um, what is she a president? Like, I yeah, can't president remember. Navarre, it, yeah, uh, I really liked seeing Tarina, her. I, um, I liked yeah. the interactions that the um, I, like. I thought the president of the federation seemed very genuine in her interactions mm-hmm. with 
um, the president yeah. from Vulcan. I just, I just thought it was, I don't know. I just really liked it. I thought it was a great scene. Well, and, and I like this episode, I mean, I'm sure that they'll like, it's quite possible that, that I'll change my mind about this, but th- this is really starting to make me think like, Oh, you're using the anomaly as like an interesting plot device. And it's not just going to be, I'm hoping that it's not just like that. S- some, some guy hit his wife, died and he blames picard for it and that's why he's going to like blow up random planets until he takes out earth and like that's the 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 course like uh it's i think it's interesting to use the anomaly as a way of like hey maybe this can be the catalyst to like rebuild the federation and that's exactly what travis said i did sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but i was we were talking about this before the episode yeah yeah because i i think that it's um i'm seeing the the a way for the for the anomaly to not just be like the the seventh iteration of like the thing that's going to destroy all sentient right. life in the multiverse and only burnham can save us right uh like maybe this can be a it's not that burnham's going to save us it's that the the navaran uh uh science institute c- together with the federation and also we're going to need to get some other partners involved like that together we can actually overcome something and then see the i guess what would be great about us just cooperating permanently so that so that was one of the things that travis and i were talking about because i really appreciated what you all said last week when you were talking about um how exciting it would be to see an episode or see a season of discovery that's about putting the federation back together like Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. what that entails the hard work that that is um the 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 high times of that and the low times of that, you know, yeah, the wins and yeah. the losses. And that'd be really interesting. Um, and so then I was telling that to Travis, I'm like, yeah, I think that would be, that would be pretty cool. I think I agree with him. He's like, yeah, he goes, but you know, I think that's what this anomaly is. He says, I think this is the catalyst that brings the Federation back together or something. He think he wonders if that's what they're using it as he said. Mm-hmm. I, and actually he said, I think this is their climate change. He said, I think they're yeah. using the anomaly as like a, mo- a, a, you know, a metaphor for climate change. And it's supposed to be that thing. Like it's this really catastrophic thing that's hovering over us and we have to pull together to be able to somehow overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I said, well, same thing with the pandemic, you know, that's what we're supposed to yeah. be doing with the pandemic. And then the, I used to be such an idealist and now the pessimist in me says, and we're all just screwed because we <laughs> couldn't do it. We couldn't come together in the face of a pandemic as a world. Like it did, the, yeah. a pandemic did not unite us. It further divided us. Climate change has not united us. It's further divided us. I long for Star Trek where these crises can unite us. Yeah, and maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So. I guess, I mean, that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm with what Travis <laughs> says. Like, I think that's where they are headed. I think there's just part of me that thinks that that's an easy solution to, yeah. to the, to the, to the idea of the Federation being fractured and then there's, there's no resolution to, there's no true discussion of why the Federation was bad in that situation in my mind. You know, there's mm-hmm. no, because there's this compelling factor that forces everyone to get over what happened. There's no reckoning for where the faults actually lay. And yeah. that's what I wanted, I think, a little bit more of is like visiting that planet that is completely xenophobic. You know, in Wonderlands, where they just mm-hmm. they they lock up people from the outside, you know, and 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 having you know it could and it could be something like the way that 
America opened up Imperial Japan to the world, you know, the way they, they barged in with their guns and said, you're going to trade now. And I, I don't know, right? Like, wh- how do we... I, I, I guess I wanted an international relations focused uh, yeah, season yeah. of Star Trek and maybe that's extremely dull and nobody else would watch it except <laughs> for me. <laughs> but so what I think I think y'all are on the money that and I, I could see, you know, just like you're saying, to be able to see a utopian version of what we're going through as a, as a species. That's certainly what Star Trek has been about for so many years. So it makes perfect sense for me, uh, even if it's a little bit of a contrast to to maybe what I was looking at. I'll say for my part, every time the anomaly came up as a point of discussion in this episode is where I was like, oh, no, please, let's 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 go. Let's do the next scene, please. And so I I was a little tired of of just I, I'm it's going to take me a little while, I think, just to get over the fact that the season is about a, a universe ending, blah, blah, whatever yeah. thing. When I was going to ask, like, this is totally jumping to the end, but there are so many other things we can talk about. So mm-hmm. I think it's okay to mention this one thing. How did you feel about that last scene between um, Saru and Tilly when she said, you know, I've had, I've analyzed the data and basically we're all screwed. There's no hope. We just might as well give up and all die in a ball right now. Can we? Can and we that's talk essentially about some what she said, right? Things before <laughs> I, I feel like you're setting me up for more hate. I really came into this trying to be like, you know, last week I was on the hate train. Now I don't. I feel I have a few more mixed feelings now. Like, let me see. Like, did the, but did the episode like like were you like, oh, I can go along with this, and then that scene happened, and you're just like, well, because <laughs> no, I, I kind of felt that way at that yeah, last scene. I was I like, I was just, I was just tired. I was like, can we not? Can we can we really just not do this? Can, can we just next episode be like, actually, we fixed it. It's fine. It's gone now. You know, the showrunner got fired or whatever, just like season one. It's now about the the Romulans. I don't know. It's like, let's, let's do something. The Ferengi are fighting the Romulans now. The anomaly is gone. Uh, that's the new problem. But yeah, I... Good acting on uh, Mary Wiseman's part. I bought her terror and her hopelessness, so I get it. I thought it was very. Com- I, I I thought the scene for what it was was well acted. Yeah. I think it was Saru and Tilly are the perfect vehicles for that feeling of hopelessness. I just don't want that this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. I I guess um, I don't know. I I actually I appreciated a lot of sort of the speculation about like what the anomaly was like i actually thought that like the binary black holes was like it was, i'm like oh star trek is like actually like someone someone watched a a a, a nova a pbs show or whatever and then wrote, <laughs> wrote some star trek like it, it uh because i feel like a lot of um at least so far in, in discovery it's mostly been like whoa man mushrooms have you thought about that <laughs> Uh, and and like just more variants on that and and i i liked that it was it, the possibility of it being something so practical as like we know that there can that there can be black holes and that they can merge and that uh there that would probably cause some sort of cataclysmic thing if that mm-hmm. if that happened and so i i was like oh wow i've like i've like read and seen things about like gravitational waves and and like how you can detect like uh so some of these like systems developing like yeah i guess if they're five light years a, a, uh, across like maybe that would be extremely bad so it, it was it was interesting to like learn about it that way so mm-hmm. i was that like got me interested from the from sort of the science standpoint 
And so I was when I was just fully in with like Stamets and the other characters being like, wait, what the hell? Uh, this like it we we had a pretty good explanation of like what this thing was and we arrived and like it seems to like maybe just be a single black hole that just like randomly sends out waves like i i, I guess the uh so i i i think i still appreciated that that tilly and saru scene at the end because it's sort of like deepened me and in, deepening me into the idea like okay this isn't just a single episode that we need to have investigating the anomaly like there, there are more things. Like we need to get more resources to figure out like what's going on. I'm just, I'm hoping that it's not like, oh, the the Zindi still think that humanity is gonna uh, destroy them, and so this is their their second super weapon that they're gonna use to to blow us up. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I, yeah. So I, I I don't know. That that's I, I'm I'm worried about it being directed by a single person. I'm hoping yeah. that it's still just not. Yeah, we don't need a Sakal uh, this season. <laughs> this uh, one was oh created by hate and not love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to take a break here. I'm going to laugh too much right now. We'll be right back. Lieutenant Hallahan, please report to Hey! Hi, Lieutenant sorry. Um, I just wanted to thank you uh, for your advice, Shadira. Uh, it can be hard for them to let others see past how bright they are. You have a very uh, light touch with people. I really admire that. You do too, usually. Yeah, I think um, you were right about me feeling pressure. Um, not about the station, but I mean, don't get me wrong, that was just unbelievably shitty, but... Um, but this is something bigger? Yeah, like, things just don't feel the same way that they used to, like, I don't know, something's off or um, I'm off. Uh, I don't know, I was kind of hoping that we could talk about it sometime. Like, talk, talk, like, uh, professionally. Of course. And whatever it is, we'll figure it out together. Hmm? Okay, <laughs> that wasn't so hard. <laughs> Just a little awkward, not, but not hard. You did good. Thank you. <laughs> I wanna go dig into that data. All right. All right. Go save the world. No, I will. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we've been talking about the set on the bridge briefly. <laughs> Uh, while Emily has prompted me just all my like ill feelings about this so that I don't get a redemption <laughs> arc on our podcast, <laughs> I've become the bad girl. Uh, I'll just I'll just lean in a little bit where I say like, why does the bridge look like an Aerosmith concert? And where did all that mud and rock come from? <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, we've seen, I mean, the dangling pipe in Voyager was distracting, but at least you could be like, okay, there's there, there's electronics and something in the ceiling, and clearly the hole in the ceiling now, and so the pipe the is EPS dangling. conduits. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, sure, Burnham doesn't have Janeway's bun, tight bun, so that there can't be, like, one, like, strand to, like, signify <laughs> bad things are going on. The bun has come loose. So you need, you need a replacement, but... <laughs> You have, like, the AR wall. You have, like, I don't know, an entire CGI department. Do we need, like, a little jet that goes foomph, foomph, like some guy with a deodorant and a lighter, like, shh, shh. 
Okay, we got a battle scene. Get the deodorant guy. We've got. We gotta. We gotta. Like, why? Make little spouts of fire. That's really dangerous, especially when like you might be in turbulence. People might be getting knocked around. Suddenly, some guy's like, "Oh, I lost my footing." Like you know, when when the Excelsior gets hit by the Praxis explosion wave, like people would have died if the if the Excelsior was discovery because there would be all these you know jets of fire. Maybe maybe that's the technological advance between like Discovery times and TOS times. They were like. Flamethrowers on the bridge is bad. They're burning lots of people. A lot of new... Like, the cadet turnover, way too high. Uh, <laughs> we need... We could have magnetic boots, but we could also just take the flamethrowers off the bridge now. And that's what they did. Well, potentially, uh, this could explain the so many uniform transitions that have been happening, is that these new ones are, like, especially fire retardant. So uh-huh. it, it fits better with the bridge. Like, you, if you stand too close to the fire, to the fire spout... It's fine. Your your uniform is entirely proof of fire. Yeah, Vance was like, whoa, what's these cool flamethrowers on the bridge? Man, we've never got to mess with that. We need these on all our ships now. Let's, you know, and screw magnetic boots. We're going to go with the fire retardant uniforms instead. And th- that was what happened. Well, anyway, let's move on to talking about actually substantive things about this episode again. Gray is getting real. And I wish I had this audio cue prepped of you, Adam, in our season three recap being like, I, you know, I really hope they don't just give Grey a body and say like, you're real now. Well, <laughs> here we are. What do you think? Uh, I mean, if there's, at, at the very least, we have set this up uh, and maybe it can help us redeem uh, what I think ultimately was a bad season of Star Trek in uh, Picard season one. Uh, like it's it if it if it's something that like it gives us our MacGuffin for like how we can give Gray a body, this is fine. I I just I I it it feels less bad than us like going back to mushroom space again to harvest like another soul and then just like reconstitute it into Gray's body. Like at least like okay, I guess we we can have an android that we then like pump your your being into like i i guess I, i'm like slightly confused as to that gray is all like i i get that gray that adira sees gray but it also seems like there is like gray is literally a different being fully realized i, I don't know i'm i'm, well, I'm how fuzzy are they if i think about it too particularly and it's yeah like i don't like there's not a separate brain in there but if i just if i think about it too hard it's it's too much so I'm just going to be like, all right, we have androids that can do this. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a moment of wondering. So there are two moments in this episode where I thought they were going to do something and then they went a different direction. One of them had to do with Gray getting a body. So there's the scene where um, Gray's talking about wanting to get to remove his mole on his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Adira seemed to have a reaction to that. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to explore um, the difficulties that other, that people in a trans person's life might feel when their loved one undergoes transition and changes something about their body, right? Mm, Recognizing that that's not their decision to make. Like it's totally the person whose body it is. It's their decision, right? But, but that doesn't, negate the fact that they're that it's still 
it still affects people, right? I mean, it's still something that that people have to get used to the idea and have to, you know, yeah, anyway. Yeah. And there's a there's a, a a you know space for growth in that, right? So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, maybe they're going to find a way to explore that because they also talked about how um, Gray went through transition prior to yeah, dying, yeah. right? Um, but uh, anyway, I, so I thought they were going to do that, but then when they were in, and it could be that Adira was just kind of deflecting. But when they were in Adira's quarters, Adira said something uh, like they were saying more along the lines of, I'm just, what happened with um, Nollis, Nollis, yeah, Yeah. in the, um, in the shuttle bay, that was really, it just, it just took me right back to what happened with you being so sudden. So then I thought, oh, maybe that's what they were thinking about. And it wasn't about about um gray wanting to remove this mole on his hand but i don't know because i just i thought oh that could be interesting yeah, for yeah. them to you know just kind of explore that <clears throat> yeah um, I, I i i think that that would be interesting to explore i i guess um i think so, so many of these things become so tricky when you think about like oh well in in the 32nd century we like truly have all the technology to do things and we also like want all of our characters to be like so perfectly accepting of each other that it's it's all uh i'm almost like i wonder if the writers would feel like it's difficult to figure out like how to do that without um uh like dishonoring yeah yeah dishonoring completely fucking up the storyline yeah no for sure for sure it's just it's just one of those things like i just and it could just be because of my relationship to people in the trans community like i just i see it from so many different sides just hearing different people's stories and and their experiences of of how their families handled it you know so i just Mm -hmm. it just has me thinking of things from so many different perspectives and it just kind of jumped out like oh that might be an interesting thing for them to do or also just recognizing like i mean i was also thinking there could be this thing like where dear was like i always kind of loved that mole on your hand like why yeah, you want to get yeah. rid of it? You know, like I don't yeah. know, and I don't know if that's what they meant, but it just kind of had that feeling a little bit. I think I think this is you know it, it goes back to I think your feeling about the kind of utopian aspect of the Federation coming back together or how we deal with that side of things, and I think this could be thematically the same thing where we just assume like where Star Trek is demonstrating the ideal behavior like what we should do when faced mm-hmm, with these circumstances mm-hmm. just like you know faced with a world ending whatever everyone comes together when faced with someone wanting to do something different with their body we just say yeah that's fine you know it's not like Ugh, that earring looks crap on you or whatever it's more about it makes you feel great good for you and it's kind of extrapolating that into the trans environment which is really i mean just saying we extend basic respect to everybody on this planet <laughs> yeah. right like <laughs> yeah um and so for me, that was kind of a, it was almost a very special moment it, without that very special mean yeah, feeling, yeah, yeah. you know, it was, it was very like, I just, I, I liked the light touch personally, just yeah. because it was like, yeah, it's, it's not even a thing. It's just a request right. and it's done. And that's how we should treat people around us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am going to want the writers to de Wesleyfy gray for me. Because I'm getting slightly, and this might be me becoming a crotchety old man, uh, who's like, "What's these Gen Zers with their TikToks and whatnot?" And I'm I'm getting the Gen Z vibe, which is maybe good, from from Gray, but like I I'm gonna need a little bit of like 
like like gray in the, in the maze of the end of season three that was cool like that was that was like it was you know but this this is it's uh i i just need a little bit of um devislification if, if you ask me but <laughs> but i did generally like the scenes with gray and adira in this past um episode i am the way that they've handled that moment, the changing the body moment, the way that they've handled the pronoun moment and the pronouns mm-hmm. just generally throughout this tells me a little bit about or suggests to me what the what the writers are trying to do here. And I've appreciated it. And I can't yeah. wait for more. This is exactly the kind of thing Star Trek was made to do all those many decades ago. And I'm glad, like I said this last year, I'm glad we're finally back there after many decades of ignoring Star Trek's continuing mission. Well, as a little aside, so last night I was just killing time. And so I was watching the Star Trek Day um, live, you know, the whatever I was watching oh, it on from, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they were doing little interviews on the red carpet and they had a moment where they were interviewing Wilson Cruz and mm-hmm. Mary Chifo and um, Ian Alexander and Blue Del Barrio. And essentially Mary Chifo was out there talking about her girlfriend. Like, Oh, I started showing my girlfriend deep space nine and Wilson Cruz was like, what? Oh my God. He's like, I'm sorry. I just have to come in here for a moment. She just came out to me last week and we're friends. And she is now like, just talking about this, like on this live stream. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. Like, this is amazing. And it was just like this beautiful, like, and they were all just talking about, like, this is what Star Trek's about. It's, like, about mm-hmm. us accepting yeah. who we are and being able to celebrate who we are and loving who we are. And uh, and the other people in our lives love that about us. And anyway, it was just really beautiful. And I, I feel like that kind of encapsulates what we're watching unfold yeah, somewhat yeah. in Discovery. So, Well, and, and it's, it's one of those things where um, I remember having, like, uh, the... Uh, like Adira's initial, um, like the pronoun change that occurred in season three often felt like they were like telegraphing it so much by like, it, it seemed like the previous episode, they made sure to say she like she, 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 11,000 she. <laughs> times more yeah. than usual. Yeah. But I, I guess I, in retrospect, sort of like th- seeing how the arc of these characters has gone, I understand the, um, the choices that they made writing wise of how, how to uh, sort of like go through that for these characters, because it, it sort of, um, it puts us and the other characters in that mindset of like, what is it like to actually be present when someone like starts requesting a different pronoun? And like, how do you sort of like readjust your own thinking about like how to, how to talk Mm -hmm, to them? mm -hmm. And so it's, it's one of those things, like I'm, I'm appreciating how they uh, have, sort of put the or brought the audience along with that in a way that if they were always they we would never have seen it i i want to take this moment to tell the writers thank you when i say you should trust us what he just said is exactly what i meant which is that there wasn't a special moment of someone saying and this is how we should all try to do this or there wasn't the music yeah, didn't yeah, swell yeah. up and like you know a vans come in and clap slowly as everybody walks out to like a guard of honor or whatever. <laughs> this is what I mean. And and I, I really appreciated that light touch because of this. Because mm-hmm. I, as the viewer, it made me think. It made me, just like you're saying, it's like, that's how I got to deal with it. Perfect. Yeah. Great. Well, mm-hmm. and just to add one little cap to what you said, Adam, 
I don't think that they said she, 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 she a million times the previous episode. I think it's like death by a thousand paper cuts for mm-hmm. people who know that the, that she does not define what their gender mm-hmm. identity is. Mm-hmm. So, but because we knew that yeah, that the character was supposed to be trans and was supposed to be not or non-binary. Yeah. We noticed it every time. We're like, no, yeah. she is not right. It's supposed to be they. What are they doing? And that is how a non-binary person would experience it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you using these pronouns? And whereas the people who are using the incorrect pronouns don't even recognize that pronouns are being used that much. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, I think yeah, that was yeah. another subtle way for them to get that point across that's, that's, without that's hammering us over the head. That's it's, great. I like yeah, that. Yeah, because there's that, that extra... Um, that experience there was like that meta experience of like i have i've read the articles about star trek and i'm watching this episode which is like preparing me for the actual like changeover yeah that that's really yeah. interesting yeah i think another another great way for us to recognize the good that has come out of discovery season 3 and going into season 4 to just remember there are there are some these these shifts towards the origins of Star Trek, what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I really love it. I really love it. Well, let's 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 move. Let's keep moving um, to you know we were talking just now about Culber, and I want to talk about something that we thought about in season three, where we were like, "What's Culber going to be doing on the ship now? Maybe he'd make a great counselor. He seems to be the guy who's always helping everybody." Well. Yeah, we we actually got a call out of uh, uh, Tilly requesting to have counseling from Culber, uh, and I, I I think that that was uh, one. I'm just I I'm so excited. Yeah, I I think I mentioned it last season, but I'm so excited that I think we do finally have writers that I can trust them to have like a session, like showing someone going through a counseling session, and it can like feel real in yeah. a way that. Uh, like so much of uh, Deanna Troy's before it, it, the way it was handled in Picard was amazing, but the, in, in uh, a lot of TNG, it felt like the, their only exposure to therapy was like uh, watching sixties shows about like what people thought like psychology was it, like, it's it just a, uh, I, I feel like we, we like truly have a way of dealing with, um, with this in a, just like in, in a great way. And I'm, I'm excited to see them have Culber be the person to go through it. Cause I, I think so far it's been amazing. Every time we even get close to that kind of stuff with his character. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the dialogue in the scene with Tilly also mm-hmm. addressed one of my gripes from last time, which was that sounded like exactly the kind of conversation you would have. It wasn't, which mm-hmm. is kind of different. I guess it's a little bit different from what we said last, just just a second ago, where we just wanted Star Trek to model behavior. Tilly still feels awkward asking for help. Still yeah. feels, a, and, and the conversation, even though Culber is just very accepting and like, it still is a little awkward and that's okay. And there wasn't that annoying music in the background of that scene either, by the way. Um, yeah. They just had an awkward conversation and that's all right they just went on with their lives it sounded like something that one of us might participate in uh as a conversation yeah and and i th- i think that sort of gets into maybe the the difference is that um star trek wants us to be sort of like modeling the behavior but it's more about sort of that 
like the progressivism streak about things. Like the reality is it's the 32nd century. People are still going to be anxious about shit. Like mm-hmm. the, there's, it, you're still going to have like awkward interactions with people. Things are still going to go really bad and you're going to have no idea what to say. And like, uh, we can, th- there are some things that like being perfectly accepting of each other and like being, uh, sort of totally open to new ideas uh, there are some things that that, it, that like it it cannot solve because the, they're universal hu- like human problems of like mm-hmm. we're going to have trouble relating to each other and mm-hmm. so I, I I think that uh, it was great and and I guess it, it's also great seeing them actually do something with Tilly's awkwardness and not just have it kind of played off as a joke I feel like in in season two it was often like oh ha 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 uh, Tilly talks too much whereas this time it's like oh Tilly is like is dealing with something and doesn't know how to get through it. And, and also Stamets is dealing with something and doesn't mm-hmm. know how to get through it. And so is book. And like, we're, we're starting to like poke at how we can possibly move past these things. And yes, they deal like it gets resolved too quickly in a lot of instances, but it's a damn TV show. Like mm-hmm. there's only so much yeah. they can do. And I, and I think that this is still some of the best portrayals maybe in kind of any show that I've seen, like this is, this is up there with a lot of like really well thought out shows that I've seen that are relationship driven. Uh, and I'm just, I, I think it's cool that I'm seeing it on Star Trek. So let's, let's go on to Stamets. Cause you mentioned him there briefly. Mm-hmm. And I do want to mm-hmm. talk about um, him and book before we end here today. Um, that was a really interesting pairing that we haven't really seen. And I think yeah. they, as much as I didn't like the whole hollow Stamets thing, it made sense. Everybody would have been screaming about why Discovery allowed two of their only Spore operators to go there together. So, like, it had to be done because of the fan yeah. base. <laughs> <laughs> and people like me, probably. Like, yeah. ah, I can't believe Discovery messed up again. Second yeah. episode in a row. <laughs> and so, so thanks, Discovery, for, for heading me off. Um... Uh, but I I love that because it was not only growth for Stamets, uh, continued growth of Stamets, recognizing his the effect he has on other people and like um, and another person basically getting to talk about how they feel just a little bit without it all just being okay. And also, you know, it being very real. It felt like a very real conversation between them. Um, yeah, throughout. Yeah, and I I liked the. It, it wasn't just that uh, Culper gave him like the perfect advice that would like enable him to just like right off the bat like get it, and it wasn't even that he needed to do like one or two tries. It was the entire episode of that they like he would try something and he would mm-hmm. just get shut down immediately, and then he'd like sort of try something else, and then he also like gave up at a certain point. And then they started relating just on like the problem, working on other ways, other ways of approaching trust with each other. Mm-hmm. And it was like three, it was everything that they went through over the course of the episode that brought us to this point of like, hey, you know what? It does tingle when I when I'm using the spore drive. And it, and it's I I loved seeing that whole arc played out over this episode. Well, and I also um, so I I thought we were going to I thought the other thing that I thought they were hinting at that didn't play out the way I suspected was that the tether was actually causing the problem Um, that Mm. discovery was having Mm. their blowups and issues because Burnham was being too safe because she wasn't, you know, like she had too many Mm. safeguards in place for book, 
which book needed them. Like, thank God Stamets yeah. was on the ship with him because book was kind of on a suicide mission. Um, yes. And I almost wondered if Stamets was lying to him when he said, I haven't yeah. been able to send my data back because he knew that was the only way that book would get, take the ship back because he thought book was just going to give up and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, be done. Um, so I, and I, I still wonder if maybe Stamets was lying. If he, if he recognized that he needed to give book a reason um, for, uh, you know, for the ship to make it through safely. Um that's but really the other thing was um, when I, I also think it was good that Stamets didn't try to fix everything. Like, you know, he was like, yeah. book, are you doing OK? He recognized when he was well, and Stamets probably generally isn't the person to fix someone's psychological, emotional distress. No. But um, <laughs> but he recognized when he needed to tell Burnham, look, he book is not okay. Like something, something else needs to happen. And so I, I liked that moment too. I thought that was a good, um, it was showing Stamets really tuning into another person's emotional needs. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I thought that was, was a nice thing to see. And and that it didn't always work. Yeah. It was, which is how it is in real life. You can, Mm -hmm. sometimes you try really hard, same with Burnham and book and it doesn't work. Because the person just needs something that you can't give them, right? Right. Such as their their planet back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's I I I loved, yeah. Just how, how I I just I I can't get over like how well I think all of that was portrayed. So now for the gripe. <laughs> um, several years ago, there was a game called Mass Effect Three, and throughout <laughs> the game, your main character sees a little child. A ghost of a little child running around in the woods. <laughs> Universally panned. Um, and Star Trek Discovery looked at that and was like, yep, that's what we're going to do this this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Questionable decision. Make, yes. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that connection. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, not I mean, a fan. It, well, and, and, and also, yeah. like, I don't know. It, it, uh, I I rewatched so for for the third time. I re- I watched the previous episode for three times uh, now, and I can say I liked it even more the third time. So I maybe I would have ra- rated it like a five or a six or something instead of a four. <laughs> but uh, the when we were watching that that scene of uh, that ceremony. Jenny just asked, like, isn't he a little young to be a man? I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, that I, that kid, like, seemed... Seven. Like, yeah, so, <laughs> seven, like, at most. Yeah. So, it's just like a... Uh, I mean, maybe Quajon's, like, just an extremely safe planet where you can just, like, release your seven-year-olds to, like, go fend for hey, themselves. Man, on Quajon, like, four-year-olds <laughs> take the bus across town, okay? By yeah. themselves. It's fine, all right? Um, uh, but yeah, so not until the, recently. But but yeah, it's, so it's it's definitely one of those things where it, it's like maybe Too they soon. they wrote it to be a fourteen. <laughs> they Sorry. wrote it to be a, a fourteen or a fifteen year old, and then uh, like casting wise, they're like looking at uh, like oh well, but we're gonna kill him soon, so it'll be more poignant if this kid was like seven, and then just like forgot that they left in that it's like a becoming a man ceremony. <laughs> Yeah, they kind yeah. of feel that way. Well, 
Um, just one other thing to to maybe discuss, which is the resolution of everything in terms of how Burnham spoke to Book, um, Saru's advice to Burnham. Again, I think I just I loved every moment that Saru was in this episode. I thought it was very well done, very deft touch. I think the Saru Burnham dynamic is mm-hmm. perfection itself, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, and I I really appreciated it. I agree. The the whole hand feeling the wave thing is a little, uh, you know, another one of those Star Trek thingies. But sure, great, let's go with it. It worked. Um, well, it works. I, I I like that they. I feel like this season they they're starting to do things with um, programmable matter that actually sound interesting. Mm-hmm. Like like it, it seems like they've had like the season to be like, okay, well, what interesting stuff could we do with like this? This it's supposed to be a, tr- a technology that like transporters and replicators. It, or like the holodeck is like so uh so different from what could what was possible before that um it's I, I think it's an interesting way to like oh yeah you can feel like the wave now great or yeah. like we have a, a physical tether uh it's much better than an enterprise uh and stuff like that so yeah although the one thing that they could have taken from insurrection was seat belts you know, seatbelts would have saved everybody from then. They had that if, but then they wouldn't yeah. have shown the cool, like, float in the air effect, special effect that they clearly developed and put all oh, their money yeah. into, which is why the, the flamethrowers yeah. look the way they do. I can't talk to just not have the flames at all, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and How would we they... know that they're in peril then, Emily? Yeah. How would we know? Okay. Well, and 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 I just gonna want to give us a, a small shout out. If you want to see zero gravity done correctly in sci-fi, watch The Expanse. Like that mm. that that show does it extremely well. There's so many like great small moments of like even just like oh there's a floating apple over there or like the it, like the they there's not when I see the characters in that show like floating, it doesn't look like I'm I've like it's there's zero g which means that everyone goes to the center of the room like no that's not what happens <laughs> right i uh i think actually you should w- do the uh, in put in google cats in low gravity which will show you a u.s air force low gravity <laughs> plane and these two guys holding these two cats initially they drop them a little bit just to show how cats land on their feet and then the cats go in low gravity and the cats are like whoa what's happening it is very amusing to watch cats in low gravity so uh and i now want to take a low gravity plane with my two cats um (laughs) which i will not do but you know so so do that for a great demonstration of low gravity that you can relate to uh if you if you don't have amazon for the expanse you can do this instead (laughs) all right well um (laughs) Any other notes about this episode before we move on to ratings? Anything that y'all want to talk about in more detail? I mean, now I just want to talk about Cats and Low Gravity, but... Um... I want to watch that video, so we're going to have to wrap up so I can watch <laughs> yeah, it. Let's, uh, let's yeah, let's comment, comment <laughs> on that video, right? Um, I think that we are in... We're hearing about more Starfleet ships being commissioned. Like we 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 had that moment with Saru and Burnham, or mm-hmm. Burnham says like, "Hey, congratulations! I heard you were getting named for blah blah blah." They're mentioning it a lot, so I wonder if there's going to be some relevance to having more Starfleet vessels that gets brought in. Um, it's so that we can anomaly a bunch of them and know cool. how bad it was. I I I, I guess red I, shirt ships. Yeah, <laughs> I I. I 
I'm, I think it's interesting knowing the total complement of Starfleet ships. Like we've, I don't know that we've ever known that, that there's, yeah. there's only been extremely vague references of like, sometimes in the original series, it seems like this is the only ship. And then sometimes it seems like there's just like 500 constitution class <laughs> ships out there and it's not a big deal. And, uh, I, I don't know. It's interesting knowing that we're like in the, the dozens of star of Starfleet ships. And so like, where do we go from here? Like it, it how that's nowhere near enough of what we actually need. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, and it, it kind of tells you just how losing one would be catastrophic when you have just so few. So yeah, I, yeah. That, that that's an interesting idea right there. Um, quick call out, which we didn't touch on a little bit earlier, but didn't quickly go into any detail. Um, the Picard body thing got addressed in some detail, how Picard yeah. had basically come to life again and everyone was like, well, why can't everybody do that all the time? Why would you ever die now? And Culber had a little bit of dialogue that said, hey, they did this with Picard and then they tried it a bunch and it didn't work very well. So we abandoned the technology. And I'm just surprised Gray wasn't like, what? You're not experimenting on your technology with me? Uh, I have an immune system, or I used to, so I don't believe in your experimental science. Give me some horse dormer instead, and that'll make me real. Um, so, but I appreciated that the writers did take a second. It's kind of funny. I wonder how the Picard writers feel about the Discovery writers and having to address it, whether they're like, ooh, it's embarrassing for us. <laughs> but It's just, sorry, we burned all the data related to it. <laughs> Are they just gonna address all of the like problems Star Trek has ever created? Like Culber will have a piece of dialogue about how that rock that Kirk picked up, we analyzed it many years later. It was not penis shaped. It was shaped like a missile from Korriban 6. And so, <laughs> or like, you know, it's like, we went to the planet that Janeway and Paris found in the Delta Quadrant, and, you know, they explain away all the threshold stuff. Like, that's just Discovery's <laughs> function now, fixing all of Star Trek's problems. Well, the, the conclusion is that the last episode of Discovery, everyone is going to turn into salamanders because we've been going warp 10 the whole time. There you go. Too much warp. <laughs> that is actually the universe-ending uh, anomaly. Well, I think at this point we should give our strange new ratings. Which one of you would like to stick your neck out and give this episode a rating? You know what? I'm just going to come out there. And so I I rated the last episode pretty, pretty terribly. And that was, I think, after Notch maybe arguing me up a little bit. This one's a 10 for me. I, I'm extremely surprised. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. It, it might just be like the contrast and I've lost all, I'm like completely unmoored from all possible like rating systems. And I'm just so confused by the previous episode, but it's just like, I loved so much about this episode. And yeah, there's like little gripes that I, that I have about it. And maybe this, the season that it, like, I, I might change my mind about it as the season goes on, but like, I I, I was there the whole time. I I love this one. I I think that this was a, it, it's it's definitely one of those weird like it's a I I'm rating it a ten. I don't know if that I would like show anyone this episode because <laughs> you're I, not I think, rated a ten. Come no, but that, that's a but that's a problem of of Discovery itself. Is like there there are very few episodes where I feel like there's a single okay, standalone. Okay, standalone. Episode. All right, all right. That's different. Yeah. that's different. I I thought yeah. you meant like show it to anyone like saying you had rated it a ten. 
Oh, oh no, 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 no. Okay. It, it's it's just that, yeah, I, they can't, they, they have to have seen a lot of Discovery in order to know what the hell is happening. But other than that. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a six for me. I'm sorry. God, go to <laughs> Apologies. Um, I just, I, that, that music stuff, the overuse of emotional moments, you know, the big speech and like every single character moment is like the most special thing we've ever had in this episode. It pulls down the rating for me. It makes me, it makes it go from like something that I might enjoy rewatching to something that I don't want to. And so it just drops it down there. I think our discussion has highlighted a lot of what I loved about this episode though. And so I think it's a dramatic improvement over last week. And I'm really glad to see it because I was really feeling a little bit low about season four. And this has rekindled my faith that maybe despite how much I don't care about the anomaly that I can at least watch and enjoy the rest of the season. I think I'll give this episode a 3.5 out of 5. Um, and yeah, I think so. Because I think it gets too complicated when I get into like 3.75 out of 5. I should just go to a 10-point scale, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I haven't had a 10-point scale this whole time, so I need to stick with my be consistent. Um, no, there are a lot of things that I liked about it. I just, there, I, I was, I the only quibbles I had I thought I, Burnham actually I liked her more as the episode went on but at the beginning mm-hmm. when she was like I just can't get Book to talk to me I was like oh my gosh what just <laughs> happened like <laughs> give him a break <laughs> leave the poor guy alone for a little bit um, that and what was the other thing that was oh uh, that this is the worst thing ever and we can't predict it so we don't know what's going to happen that, that kind of left me a little like and so when a, when a scene in an episode makes me go, and it's towards the end of the episode, <laughs> it, it drops the score a little bit. So. But I did, there were, because that was a thing, I don't know, like Travis liked last week's episode more than this week's. And I couldn't decide which one I liked more. I think ultimately it was, it was this one though, but I kind of went through, I'm like, well, I liked this and this and this. So I was able to list a whole bunch of things I liked about the episode. So, mm-hmm. Well... Let us get on with the end credits. Uh, First of all, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam. And in particular, thank you, Emily. Adam and I watched episode one of the season. We were like, we we need someone who liked this episode on here. (laughs) Emily told us that she liked it. She couldn't be on the the episode. We're like, no, (laughs) you must join us. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, I, 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 I really enjoyed talking about this episode of Discovery with both of you today. And I look forward to talking about the rest of the season. Yeah, and thank you, Bill. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Max, wherever y'all are, whatever y'all are doing. I hope it's a great time this time. Not just a good time. Great time. Mm. Uh, Yeah, you know. Uh, And thank you, dear list. I hope you're having a great time. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Because I'm thankful you you exist as well. Um, And yeah, just thankful that you listen to us each week. Put us on your podcast rotation. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to talk about Star Trek, and if you weren't here, we would it would really just be us having a discussion with ourselves. So, you as as um, Renee Zellweger's character said in the movie with Tom Cruise, whose name I'm now forgetting, with the football player, sports agent, Jerry Maguire. Oh, Jerry Maguire. As she said in Jerry Maguire, you complete me, dear listener. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. Uh, we really appreciate hearing you twing along on the guitar. And special thanks this week to Culber. 
to Dr. Hugh Culver for just saying like, you know, there's a lot of examples I could use to make Gray feel at ease with his new body. I'm going to go straight to Picard and explain away this problem that everybody had with Star Trek. So special thanks to him and, and making us feel better about Picard. All right, everybody have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye.